0: Hi there, I'm Jim.
1: And I'm Julianne.
0: Let's talk teaching. Welcome to Let's Talk Teaching, a podcast from the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology here at Illinois State University. I'm Jim G. Joining me again, Dr. Julianne McFan. Hi, Julianne. Hi, Jim. We are continuing our conversation. We decided to cut that episode a little short because we were talking a lot about uh, concept maps. Um, And if you just have come across this episode, we'll make sure you uh, have a link in the show page. To get to the previous episode,
1: Jim wouldn't let me just go on and on in the previous podcast.
0: <laughs> well, you know, we're talking about organizing student experiences, so we have to organize our. It's my defense anyway. We have to. We want to organize. Uh, you know, the good. We want you know digestible bits. We always talk about. Oh, we want to present oh, yeah. information and digest. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah, we'll run with that. Yeah, we'll run with that. So today we want to continue our conversation and we want to talk about some of the other strategies. Uh, And all of this, of course, is based on uh, How Learning Works, uh, a book that we use a lot here at CTLT. We did a lot on concept maps, but what are some of the other strategies that as a teacher we have at our disposal to to help students organize their experiences?
1: So some of the ways we can help our students encode, organize their information for long-term storage are things we heard about when we were growing up in took a study skills class you know here's how you learn and actually they're tried and true one of them is mnemonic device Mm -hmm. and i use this a lot when i was a special ed teacher way back a long time ago Mm -hmm. Um, but that is where you help you give your students clues to help them trigger memory um, to help them organize it so like Several years ago, we had a uh, keynote speaker with a difficult to pronounce last name, and I created a mnemonic device to help me remember it, which I will not repeat. Because... Okay. Yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to <laughs> give away who that
0: was. No, but, we right. don't. Right. We don't. But yeah. I shared
1: it with everybody, and they went, "Oh yeah, thanks. That yeah. helps me remember it." Uh-huh. Um, but. I think the one anybody who's studied music at all will remember is every good boy does fine to mm-hmm. help them remember the the lines on the treble clef. So mm-hmm. if you can give them something silly or um, some clue that is similar to it, to what you're wanting them to learn, then that helps them organize it.
0: And, and what I always, uh, because before we started recording today, I said... Well, I think I said pneumatic pneumatic yes, devices yes. at first, which which is a which is a whole which is another. Uh, <laughs> and
1: I asked him to go check my, the air in my tires. Yes, you exactly know? <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, but mnemonic uh, devices. Yes. Um. Um. Always seem seem to be very basic to me. Like it was very low level learning. But I guess it's really just to trigger everything yes, else. Correct.
1: Okay. Correct. And and in some ways, you know, you have well, thinking about the different types of knowledge will help you decide which strategy is most appropriate. So if you have um, knowledge that is just factual knowledge, Mm -hmm. recall kinds of things that help provide the foundation for more complex thinking, it may be something like every good boy does fine. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. just recall. Students will need that information in order to help them with the more complex things. Uh, The example we used in the previous podcast was you know as the instructor you're the superhero leaping across the um buildings in mm-hmm. our and mm-hmm. you want your students to be able to do that also and so sometimes that providing that knowledge base mm-hmm. could be like the little afterburners on their feet mm-hmm. that will help them oh yeah okay mm-hmm. i can leap across it so mnemonic that, device yeah
0: yeah no that makes sense and i think it also in a way uh, it it allows you to then have If you can remember the basics then as you are creating, as you're analyzing or synthesizing information, as you're you're creating new knowledge based on experience or what you're observing. Like uh, I had a conversation and I had to explain to someone why uh, the laser beam in your Blu-ray player is more dangerous than the laser beam in your old DVD player. And it has to do with the spectrum, Roy G. Biv, red, orange, uh-huh. yellow, et cetera. And it's because blue light is at a shorter wavelength and can be uh-huh. more damaging or whatever, however uh-huh. that is. Um, so, but, you know, I had to remember the order of the spectrum in order to explain it. Now this light over here is, is of a mm-hmm. different wavelength.
1: I'm impressed because I didn't remember that spectrum.
0: <laughs> there you go. There so you go. there you go. There you
1: go. Oh, another one that I don't think professors take enough advantage of is storytelling. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of literature that shows that if you tell a story about the concept that or that elaborates Mm -hmm. on the concept you're teaching, your students may not remember, you know, a particular term, but it helps them understand that big picture Mm -hmm. of what's going on. And as they're trying to recall or trying to organize um, their learning, they're like, okay, well, I remember that um she said that if you really want to understand dirt and told a story about going out in the mud and covered mm-hmm. mud Womping and mm-hmm. i'm showing my age with the mud whomping do people even mud womp anymore or? i have no idea what you're talking about so, okay. so apparently not <laughs> apparently that's a california yeah. thing it, it, it might it might be i mean it I've rains it rains so infrequently that people go and drive in the mud is that what it, is that what yeah that is? yeah no i uh
0: I, i've heard the term but i never really knew yeah. what it was but yeah no, we got we got plenty of mud here in illinois so that's <laughs> not a as it's, you as you have <laughs> learned over the last six or seven years we have plenty of mud around here so
1: so it's not yeah.
0: a no it's not a. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a moment for celebration. Yes. <laughs> right. So, um, this idea of telling stories uh, to helping us learn r- really tickles an itch I have because I, I, yes. because uh, in my discipline in communication and whatnot, and we, and, um, the narrative paradigm and the, and the idea that we really understand our r- world through the stories that we tell each other and tell ourselves, Yes. yes. um, you know, so that resonates with me, I yes. guess is, is a way to put it. So, um,
1: and you have to think, yeah. you know, in classical times, uh, huh. The way to learn was to was through storytelling. So right. it is definitely a tried and true method.
0: Right. So when faculty members are trying to construct stories about a lesson, mm-hmm. um, I guess there's probably a line between uh, effective and overwrought a little <laughs> bit <laughs> or something. Do you have any storytelling tips or are there any storytelling tips that we, we can get from, from this?
1: Have fun. Mm-hmm. Just the the – That also gets into how humor helps people learn. But make sure it's appropriate humor.
0: Yeah, humor is tough. Humor is tough on many levels. Humor
1: is very tough. Um, So have fun, but don't offend. Right. And what I've learned is sometimes if you make the story kind of outlandish even, Mm -hmm. um, the students will remember it a bit more because it's not just the run of the mill kind of something they'll encounter Mm
0: -hmm. all the time. So what other techniques do we need to keep in mind when we're trying to help students organize experiences?
1: Another way um, is association or elaboration. A lot of times we get frustrated because students aren't making those leaps or making those connections. Mm And we're saying, you know, they're not transferring what I taught them last week into what I'm trying to teach them this week. Be overt. Show them. Here's how these things connect. Mm -hmm and how mm-hmm. this builds on that, or how this is similar or dissimilar to what you have already learned.
0: And that can be a challenge. I mean, sometimes, like some of the things that, that I cover in the courses I teach are processes, mm-hmm. and, and they're broken up over several lessons. And so it's that there's a natural, okay, last week we talked about breathing. This is how breathing supports the production of, uh, of sound in your throat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's very much there's a logical next step um, because we all know what the end result is, is that we're speaking. But I can imagine for in some other ways, that's not quite the case.
1: So what often happens is chapter one, you know, week one, chapter one, week two, chapter two, week three, chapter three. And we forget that we need to go back and Mm -hmm. pull it forward. So the literature says as much as we to revisit I'm, I'm making a circular thing here to revisit what has been taught and um, that that's how you can bring it forward instead mm-hmm. of saying, well, we're on chapter four, so we don't have to worry about what happened in chapter two. Right. And um, they're not going to make, you know, those connections if mm-hmm. we are not overt about helping them make those connections. Mm-hmm. We cannot just assume that they can magically do it. That's magical thinking on our part.
0: Right, right. You know, it's funny when you mention chapter order because there are a lot of times when I will use a textbook in teaching and I won't, will jump around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in some ways that puts the onus on me, I don't know if I actually succeed in this or not, to help build those connections. Yes. Because in some ways I have to explain to them why we're reading chapter 11 next and not chapter 3.
1: Correct. And that right. sort of thing. Yeah. So... Yeah. Hmm.
0: That's interesting. I'll have to look back and make sure I'm not assuming that they just get they're just gonna figure out why.
1: And that's a great point. Because it makes sense to you why you're doing it. Yeah. But yeah. they may be not making that leap from right. building to building with you.
0: Right. Okay. That that's a that's a good point. When before we started recording this this episode, um we had talked a little bit you know, following up on our, our discussion of concept maps, and you had mentioned flashcards. Oh, and yes. I, and I probably gave you that look, because, again, like like <laughs> mnemonic devices, flashcards to me have, I've always seen that as being about really basic rudimentary stuff. <laughs> but it's more than that, isn't it?
1: Well, so...
0: Or it can be more than it that. It
1: can be. Yeah. So your students are going to make flashcards, because what they're trying to do is make something that is basically cognitive into something that is behavioral. And so they can write a piece of fact on a card and then flash it in front, of, I know what this is or I don't know what this is. That's very behavioral, yes, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. Um, so how we can take that tendency to make it cognitive again is have them join, create kind of a concept map type of thing using the flashcards how do you organize how these cards go together? Okay. How? What are the connections that you see? And it requires laying it out on a desk in front of them or a table or so, so forth. It's, mm-hmm. it's a great kind of interactive activity where you have your students work in pairs or three or four and say, okay, how would you organize these mm-hmm. cards mm-hmm. and they, or, they can organize their owns, and the, their owns? They can organize their own. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and um, then see how other people organized their set of cards. Right. You can see kind of the little mind explosions going like, oh, wait, I didn't realize that One of the, my favorite activities to do when I'm doing a workshop mm-hmm. on helping students think beyond flashcards is to use a set of superhero mm-hmm. um, flashcards. Flash cards, right, right, and it's always interesting to see how the different participants organize those cards. Some arrange them by publisher, Marvel versus DC. Some of them mm-hmm. are uh, arrange it by human versus non-human, by radioactive or right. Yeah, uh, th- I'm yeah. getting into your territory, Jim. <laughs> 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 um, and it's just really interesting seeing how they lay these things out. And right. so you can do something similar with the facts mm-hmm. that your students are focusing on to help them build that into how do these things work together.
0: So when we say using flashcards in this way, we are shattering most of the preconceived notions that exist about how do you use flashcards. Correct. F- flashcards, we think of flashcards being a solitary activity. Yes. We think of flashcards being a very linear activity. Yes. You go through the deck one after the right. other. Right, right. This is a social activity. It's a group activity of what you're describing. It is a, uh, it's one where you're not going through the cards one after the other. You're looking at all the cards at once and you're organizing. Yes. It. So it is. So that so that's a very interesting sort of uh, sort of thing. And I do remember um, um, sitting in in a workshop where you did the superhero mm-hmm. uh, exercise, which I thought was really neat. How do you introduce an exercise like that? Do you how do you do you talk about I'm going to stand here and look and see what patterns you put together? How how do you how do you introduce this new concept? Because this is something students will never have done before in terms of flashcards. So how do you introduce this to them, and how do you teach them how to do it so they can do it on their own yes. or in groups?
1: Well, I would do it first without their fact flashcards. I would do it with something like superheroes or um, flowers or mm-hmm. whatever's appropriate for mm-hmm. the course you're teaching. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of low stakes, and oh, this is fun, and oh, isn't it funny how the different pe- how people laid them out differently. And then you can talk about how these are all facts, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but we all looked at it from different ways. Mm -hmm. So let's now pull out that giant stack of flashcards that you have that probably have a ring around it. You got Mm -hmm. it at Office Depot, color-coded. Right. You know, um, Pinterest has pictures of them and all that kind of stuff. And let's... Let's start looking at yours. How do you arrange it? Mm-hmm. How do you, how do, how's, how you do it different than how somebody else does it? Mm-hmm. I think if you focus more on this notion of let's explore, let's play, mm-hmm. let's play with this, mm-hmm. rather it being how are you doing it? Right, right. You know, let's see if you're doing it right.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, isn't that uh, the. One of the great challenges that we have when we're talking about helping students or organize experiences or other aspects of mm-hmm. learning, they are so much more, when I talk to students nowadays, I get so much more of the, just tell me how to do it. Yes. As opposed to understanding that, no, figuring out how to do it is as much a part of learning right. and remembering as, as yes. anything else. Yeah.
1: Yes. And process is so important. And teaching our students how to go about that learning process mm-hmm. instead of necessarily focusing, making sure that you're not just focusing on that end goal, mm-hmm. uh, that exam, that whatever, that being overt, here's the process, here's right. how I do my process, modeling it, and then um, having fun with it. There's a reason that you are... You know, you have an advanced degree in your discipline because you found something fascinating about it. Mm-hmm. Help mm-hmm. your students find that fascination too. You know? Yeah. So
0: great advice. Great <laughs> advice. So one final little yes. thought and I'm gonna I'm gonna make a prediction here based on the fact that we had a really good conversation in a previous episode about the difference between assessment and grades. Yes. So I'm gonna guess we probably should avoid trying to grade the flashcard exercise.
1: Absolutely. Okay. If I find out somebody's trying to grade it, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I will sick I will sick our student worker on <laughs> <laughs> We'll send over our student <laughs> worker and make you feel guilty. That's right. Um, they'll just
0: you will just sit in your office and look and look downtrodden. Yes. So, so um and the reason for that is why
1: um because then it's no longer about the learning and it's about the grade mm-hmm. instead of focusing on how can I use this as a way of learning. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, So if you want to assess if this worked or not, you're gonna find some other instrument, some other mechanism then later on to test for that. Yes,
1: and I think if you really are feeling itchy about it, make it a formative assessment, a low stakes kind of thing Mm -hmm. um, that will help you understand whether, help you gauge whether your students are understanding what is happening what you are trying to help them learn Mm -hmm. and if they are you know putting the knee bone with the elbow and saying oh yeah they're connected directly then you know some reteaching needs to happen
0: exactly dr julianne mcfan thank you again
1: thanks for having me
0: And that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Let's Talk Teaching. You can find out more about the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology at our website, ctlt.illinoisstate.edu. Find out more about our podcast and how you can subscribe by clicking on the podcast link in the upper right of the page. For Julianne McFan and for all of my colleagues here at CTLT, until we talk again, happy teaching.